the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratt's authority on AM 1420. The answer. You uh, really need to follow me on my social media pages. I cannot stop engaging with you, even during the commercial breaks like we just had during the top of the hour news as well. I've been posting, and I want to share what I posted with you as we begin hour two at eight minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock on this uh, Wednesday, the 19th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord 2018. I just posted this little summary, if you will, uh, of what Steve and I just talked about. Any Ohio voter who votes for Issue 1 or any of its proponents, such as Richard Cordray for governor, Steve Dellebach for attorney general, and Sherrod Brown for senator, is voting to kill people. Let me say that again so that you know I'm not stuttering. If you vote for Issue 1, you're voting to kill people. If you vote for Richard Cordray, who supports Issue 1, you are voting to kill people. If you vote for Steve Dettelbach as Attorney General, you are voting to kill people. If you vote for Sherrod Brown, you're voting to kill people. That It is that simple. You will increase the flow of deadly drugs that kill people through this state by an exponential amount. Violent crime will rise in every corner of this state as more dealers and more traffickers realize that the safest place to move product, especially heroin and fentanyl, is in Ohio, where you face only probation instead of jail time if issue one passes. That means more addicts will be created. More overdoses will happen. And more crimes will be committed by the new addicts in order to get the funds to feed their addiction. And it will all be on you, the Ohio voter. 
If you vote for issue one and its supporters like Cordray, Dettelbach, and Brown, you will be voting to kill people. I'm sorry if that's blunt. I'm sorry if that's something you don't want to hear. I'm sorry if it's something that bothers your sensibilities. It bothers me, too. It also happens to be accurate. It also happens to be the truth. If you can't handle the truth, and I'm not trying to go movie line on you here, then don't let it happen. If you can't handle those facts, don't let it happen. Vote against issue one. Tell everybody that you know to vote. Drag them out to the polls and vote against issue one. Vote against people who support issue one who will try to put something like this through once they're in office. People like Richard Cordray, the Attorney General, uh, Steve would be Steve Dellebach. Don't allow these people to get into power and threaten people's lives in such a way. It really is that simple. All right, now having said all of that, uh, I want to share something else that I posted yesterday on Facebook. Again, you've got to follow me on these places so we can engage with one another and have these conversations. I, I wanted to do a summary after I heard last night that the attorney for, for the accuser of Brett Kavanaugh, Christine Blase Ford, the political tool of the liberal left, trying to delay the Brett Kavanaugh hearings until after November, and that's all this is. They know they can't get him. They know there's no proof against him. They know there's no evidence. There's not even a scintilla of evidence, let alone anything hard or severe. So they don't want to get him. They just want to delay. They're using her to delay this thing until after November so they don't have to then have a confirmation at all because they're going to try to impeach Trump after November. So after I heard last night that she is not going to testify, after all, on Monday, remember, on Monday, Dems were, she deserves to testify. She wants to testify. Let her testify. On Tuesday, it's, Okay, um, you can't make her testify. She's not ready yet. There should be a full FBI investigation first. As soon as you hear hear that, you know what this is all about. It's not about the law. It's not about protecting, quote-unquote, Me Too victims. It is about delaying the confirmation vote because they know politically they lose. Will she or won't she testify? That's been the question the past few days. The attorneys for Christine Blasey Ford initially said she was prepared and willing to testify that she was sexually assaulted by Brett Kavanaugh more than 35 years ago. But now they say she won't testify until the FBI investigates the allegations. Now, the Senate Judiciary Committee scheduled a hearing for Monday for both Ford and Judge Kavanaugh to testify, but Ford's attorneys say an investigation will ensure that the crucial facts in the case are assessed in a nonpartisan manner. Well, Chairman Chuck Grassley is pushing back on that, saying in a statement, Dr. Ford's testimony would reflect her personal knowledge and memory of events. Nothing the FBI or any other investigator does would have any bearing on what Dr. Ford tells the committee, so there is no reason for any further delay. And that is exactly correct. Correct. There is nothing the FBI could investigate that is going to, you know, jog her memory. It's her memory. It's her uh, accusation. If she doesn't want to do anything to support her accusation, if she doesn't want to go out and reach out to friends who are at this party that she can't even. Uh, it, it, look, you know, everybody's saying treat her with respect. She's a she's a, a, an alleged victim. Treat her with respect. I will treat her with no such thing. I don't believe there ever was a party. I don't believe one single iota of her tall tale. Why? Because she knows nothing about her own story. She can't tell us what year it was. She can't tell us whose home it was in. She can't tell us the names of other people who were there. And she refuses to try. 
Because as her, her attorney said on CNN last night, it's not her job. The investigators should do all that. Wait, what? But remember, literally just two days ago, on Monday, her attorney went on television and said she is willing to testify before Congress. They called her bluff and said, deal, Monday, bring her up. Let's hear her story. And now she says, no, she's not ready to testify before Congress. you got to let the FBI make or force the FBI to do an investigation that has nothing to do with what the FBI does first. That's where we are. So I, that led me to this last night. I just wanted to post a summary. And I want you to follow me through this, if I may. Here's what we know. I put this on Facebook. Follow me there at France Radio. Here's what we know about Christine Blasey Ford, the left-wing activist and lying political pawn that Dianne Feinstein is using to stop Brett Kavanaugh from being confirmed to the Supreme Court. One, she was silent about this incident for 36 years. Two, she told no one when it happened. Three, she told no girlfriends. Four, she told no guy friends. Five, she told no parents. Six, she told no teachers. Seven, she told no police. Eight, 8A actually. She doesn't know what year it was. 8B, she doesn't remember whose house it was. 9, she can't remember how she got to the house. 10, she can't remember how she left the house. 11, she can't remember the names of anyone at the party. 12, she suddenly remembers an assault in 2012, vaguely. 13, she tells a therapist in 2012 that four boys assaulted her. 14, she changes that number to two boys in 2018. 15, she doesn't tell the therapist any of their names. 16, she has no evidence that she ever even knew Brett Kavanaugh. 17, she has no evidence she was ever at a party. 18, she has no evidence she ever spoke with Brett Kavanaugh. 19, she has no eyewitnesses except Mark Judge, she says. 20, she is absolutely nuts, says Mark Judge. 21, she scrubbed her social media pages prior to sending the letter. To hide what? 22. She is represented by left-wing activist lawyer who opposes Brett Kavanaugh and Donald Trump and who has ties to George Soros. Summary. There is zero evidence, zero proof, zero witnesses, zero credibility. An unknown incident in an unknown location involving unknown persons on an unknown date. But now she sends a letter to Dianne Feinstein, who is so concerned about the contents of this letter that she does nothing with it for two and a half months since receiving it. She doesn't question Kavanaugh about it in in their private meeting. She doesn't question Kavanaugh about it during the confirmation hearings. She doesn't give it to the FBI to review when she gets it. She doesn't tell the GOP about its existence until three days before the confirmation vote. This is the worst 11th hour Hail Mary attempt to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat that the Democrats, Democrats, have ever attempted. It's worse than what they did to Robert Bork. It's worse than what they did to Clarence Thomas. And this woman, in my view, should be locked up for her slanderous fairy tale, and it should be Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh that bangs the gavel to end her trial. That's the summary that I just felt needed to be shared. And it has been dozens and dozens of times on Facebook, and it should be shared farther and wider than that. So follow me on Facebook. 
France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Make comments there. I'll read good comments on the radio, and I'll take your calls next. 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1023, now the Bob France Authority continues. I want to go to Tim, who's calling us from Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Tim, good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. How are you doing, Bob? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Well, first off, I couldn't agree with you more about a vote for any one of those guys who support that issue one is a, a vote to kill people. I'm an attorney. I'm actually standing in the Justice Center right now uh, waiting to get on with you. I do a lot of criminal defense work, and um, i got to tell you, you know, well, my client's the Constitution, but of course, you know, when we get these heroin cases and we get people on heroin, you want to help them, you know, and you want to make sure that they don't walk out the courthouse and go do heroin again and die. And no judge wants that on their head. No attorney wants that on his conscience. And this law basically does not have any ramifications for somebody who violates probation. So not only are they going to audit automatically get probation for heroin possession, heroin use, heroin trafficking. But then when they violate probation and they come in and they have a d- dirty urine screen, the judge has no nothing to hold over their head to say, well, if you violate probation, you're going to go to prison for eight months, six months, 12 months. So there is no incentive for these people who are addicted to heroin and fentanyl and other drugs. There's no incentive for them to stay clean, get clean, and do the um, treatment programs that we try to get them into, um, because there's there's no uh, consequences if they violate. This law is terrible, and not only is it terrible in that sense, but they're trying to make it a constitutional amendment. It'd be one thing if it was the legislature saying, you know, we're going to add this to the criminal code. No, this is a constitutional amendment. That is a really hard thing to undo. Basically, you would have to go up before the Supreme Court and be found to be unconstitutional. So this issue one is completely horrible. It's horrible for everybody all around. It's horrible Tim, for I'm, people. Who- Tim, Tim, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. Uh, so help me understand this. Um, is this a commonality? Because I've never heard of this before, that there is no repercussion for probation violation. I've always thought that probation meant you were under, it's called community control. And if you violate the standards of that, the the, the, the repercussion for that is X. And usually it's you're, you go to jail for, for a period of time, depending on the severity of your of your charge or your conviction. So I've never heard of this before ever. Is this like the first time ever, or is this more common than I realize? No, this this is a first. Um, There's not one judge among the 36 or so judges in here that that wants this to go through, because you always have something holded over someone's head to say, look, you got charged with heroin possession. We get it. You're an addict. We're going to send you to treatment. We want to get you better. We want to get you off this stuff. But I tell you what, if you come in and you have a dirty urine, I've got six months hanging over your head, and you will go to prison. This does not allow for that. They are, by, by, by this law, the judges cannot send somebody to prison, even if they come in and, and have three dirty urine screens over a period of three months. There is no, there's nothing they can do. And this is, how, how frustrating would that be for a, a judge to be sitting on a bench and know that this guy is going to walk right back out the courtroom, 
use heroin and potentially kill himself. Well, well, not just himself, but not just himself, uh, Tim, but obviously other people. And that's the part of this, as I was just talking to Steve Loomis about. You know, addicts don't just have an endless supply of money to go buy more heroin or to go buy more fentanyl or or, or whatever they're using or or heroin laced with fentanyl. They may not even know it, for crying out loud. They don't have an unlimited supply of money. Usually when you become an addict, you end up not being able to go to work very often. You end up looking for your next fix instead of going to your next job, and you end up broke, and you end up stealing money and robbing people and if need be killing people to take their goods in order to get your money for your next fix this is not new this has been going on for decades how can they say we're not going to try to enforce that and stop that how can we tell cops to go out there and risk their lives you know uh, uh, apprehending these people only to find out they're going to be turned around at the at the at the bench uh as a judge says go about your way and send no more and that's the other problem what kind of uh, what is this going to affect is going to have on you know, a, a police officer who arrests a guy who has, you know, heroin needles and packets of heroin in his car, what's the point? What is the point of taking that person in, trying to get them the help that they, they need, if there is no repercussions? There's no exactly. incentive for anybody to do that. And then, and, and you know, you, Steve brought up a good point, too, and you just did as well. That, you know, a lot of the people that I represent who have heroin addiction, it's not because they got pulled over and they got found with, with heroin on them. It's because they stole jewelry from their family. It's because they went in and they robbed the store. It's because they went and they burglarized the house. So 100% correct with, with you and Steve is th- these people are going to continue to commit these crimes, and they're going to do it even more often because there is no, they're not going to be locked up. So what do they care, right? Um, that's that's exactly right. You want to help these people, but this is, this is hamstringing everybody in the judicial system and in the justice system to try to get people the help that they need. And, and I might no- be going out. I might be going out on a limb here, and uh, and I don't mean to you know project my own feelings onto police officers, but uh, what I could see happening here, Tim, is an expanded version of the Ferguson effect. You know, where police officers yeah. are not getting involved in certain things because of fears of being yeah. shot, and you know, if, if they realize, you know what, if I bring this guy in, all they're going to do is turn him loose again. Why should I go put myself in that potentially violent uh, situation? And they may just uh, stay in their cruisers and not bother. That's absolutely correct. Well, I just want to thank you, Bob, for taking my call. And, and oh, I'm so glad you made it. Out. This is the worst. This is the worst law. It's a constitutional amendment. It can barely be undone. This has to be a big no and no for anybody that supports it. Thanks. Tim, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for the work you do in the uh, legal system, and I appreciate you calling. I really do. That's, that's great information. How many times have you heard me on this program trying to, uh, you know, be eloquent in my, in my understanding of various laws And I say, but I'm not an attorney. Maybe an attorney can corroborate something for me. God bless the attorneys when they do. Tim, that was fantastic. Thank you for doing that. Uh, It's 1030 News Time. Your calls again right after. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed, now 1034, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 26 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. We'll take you to Mike Gallagher coming up at noon. Then you're going to have uh, Mr. Prager. Well, actually, the Prager Show. I know Dennis is observing the uh, Jewish Holy Day of Yom Kippur today, so he's not going to be live at noon. But uh, you'll have the Prager Show, then Medved, Seculo, Elder, Walsh, and then overnight, more Gallagher right here on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll go right back to the phones, 216-901-0945. 
or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. You want to get in on the Kavanaugh discussion, uh, the Democrats' latest moving of the goalposts. You want to get in. And by the way, good news. I'll throw this in there on that. And then I was going to, I was about to say also on issue one and uh, support for Democratic politicians who uh, support issue one. What an absolutely devastating impact that will have on the state of Ohio. But uh, good news on the Kavanaugh front. Uh, Republicans apparently are growing, developing, forming a spine. Headline, Republican senators say let's vote if Kavanaugh accuser is a no-show for Monday's hearing. A growing number of Republican senators say, are saying it's time to vote if the California professor claiming Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her more than 35 years ago does not testify about her allegations. Boom. That is exactly the right course of action. And although I wouldn't wait until Monday, to be quite honest with you. I would wait to get a commitment by the end of business tomorrow. Somebody said that yesterday, and I said, no, let's do it today. But okay, it's already Wednesday. By the end of business tomorrow, Thursday, which was the day the original confirmation vote was um, uh, scheduled, if she doesn't give a commitment and say, yes, we will be there, or I will be there and my attorney will be there, or whatever the case might be, to answer these questions, which I demanded two days ago. Got to remember, two days ago, she Christine Blase Ford demanded the opportunity to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. So they said, you got it. If she doesn't commit to being there to testify as she wanted to, then we schedule the vote for Friday. Don't even give her until Monday. She's the one who said, I want a chance to speak. Democrats said, we demand that she be heard before that Senate Judiciary Committee. They said this as, as, as recently as Judiciary Sunday. Committee. The answer is yes. She is willing to do it. Has she been asked by any of the lawmakers to do that? That's interesting. The answer is no. She's not been asked, but she is now willing to do so. Is she in conversations with people? Have people, have the lawmakers reached out and tried to talk to her via phone? We've heard from no one. We've seen various statements made on television, but uh, in statements uh, that are being bandied about for political reason, but no one's asked her. Okay, okay, that's the lying liberal attorney uh, for Christine Blasey Ford, the lying liberal professor. Deborah Katz said on Sunday, you heard that right there. Yes, she is willing to testify. That was on Sunday. Come Tuesday, uh, no, she's not testifying. The FBI has to do a full investigation first. Wait, what? And by the way, it was a lie to say that she hadn't heard from anybody. There are documented records of multiple emails and phone messages left for her attorney, Deborah Katz, herself. Just because she didn't respond to them does not mean that they did not take place. So these liars are attempting to to say, we want to speak. And then when being given the opportunity to speak, saying, you can't make us speak. (laughs) You you can't help but laugh, right? You either laugh or or you have an aneurysm and stroke out over this. They're just that duplicitous. They're just that dishonest. Brian is in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Brian, thanks for your patience. Go right ahead. You're on the air. Hey, Bob, good morning. Always a pleasure. Um, Thank you. Just a, a question for clarity, if you wouldn't mind. I was having a discussion with my neighbor, and they were all about, you know, how the Republicans or whatever held up uh, Obama's appointment when uh, Scalia passed away, said that he was a lame duck president or whatever. So how is it different than you know, what the uh, Democrats and stuff are doing right now? Aside, just put the because, because Donald Trump is not a lame duck president. 
Well, Don, okay. Donald Trump is not a lame duck president. Donald Trump is in the second year of his four-year term. He is absolutely well, I, uh, the sitting president. He gets to make his pick. It's that simple. But if, but if, but if they tie his hands through articles of impeachment on the, then he wouldn't be able to make that appointment. Correct? Which they would. Which well, which they well, well. First of all, that's what they'll argue. I don't know if it's in the law okay. that way. But if they if they win the House and then wait until the new Congress starts in January and then immediately file articles of impeachment, their argument will be, hey, he's facing impeachment. We he can't be naming lifetime appointees to the Supreme Court, which is of course stupid because he appointed this person in july of 20 uh of 2018 uh if they try to put that's what this whole thing's about brian they're trying to push this to january of 2019 in order to say oh no now the new senate is the new congress is 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 moving against him and so it wouldn't be right for the senate to give advice and consent on something that he shouldn't have an opportunity to do that's it is the dirtiest slimiest, swampiest move ever in the history of, of presidential politics and of Senate confirmation hearings of any, of any kind, whether they be for Supreme Court, cabinet-level positions, or anything else the Senate has to advise okay. and consent over. Well, great, Bob. Thank you very much for the clarity. At least now I have a little bit of a rebuttal remark for my neighbor. I appreciate uh, There you go. Yeah, yeah, use it. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Look, when the Republicans watched Barack Obama win in 2008... They knew the consequences. They knew the consequences. They knew that when Supreme Court vacancies happened, Barack Obama was going to be able to fill them. We should not have gotten to this point in this manner. No, we shouldn't have. (laughs) That's a great point. That wasn't supposed to play just now, but I'll agree with that. We shouldn't have gotten to this point. Let me finish my thought. When Barack Obama won in 2008, Republicans had to swallow hard and say, if there's a vacancy on the court, he's going to fill it with a liberal activist judge. Somebody who is not a constitutionalist, somebody who is not an originalist, he's he's going to fill it with a liberal activist. And guess what? Two opportunities came in his eight years. Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor were his picks. And Republicans hated those picks because they were every bit the judicial activists creating legislation from the bench that Republicans feared. But they voted and confirmed those two nominees anyway because the bottom line is when you win the White House, you get to pick. The other side is going to hate it. But they got to clench their fist and... All right, you get to have your nominee. You get to have your guy confirmed or your girl confirmed in those cases. But the Democrats won't give Donald Trump the same courtesy. The Democrats still want you to believe that Donald Trump was not a duly elected president and therefore doesn't get to make the picks, which is why they did everything but move hell or high water to, uh, uh, in uh, trying to stop uh, Neil Gorsuch. It took the Democrats' own nuclear option, by the way, in order to get him confirmed. And it will take the nuclear option to get Brett Kavanaugh confirmed. But the bottom line is Republicans knew when Obama won to the victor go the spoils. And they, he got to pick his nominees and they had to accept it. Now it's time for the Democrats to accept it. You ran Hillary Clinton. You nominated her. 
arguably the worst candidate in the history. The worst nominated candidate from one of the two major parties. There have been a lot of third-party nut jobs, but the, the worst nominee of the two major parties in the history of the presidency or the presidential politics or the election, you nominated this lying troll of a woman who couldn't breathe without exhaling lies, who couldn't sweat in a warm room without, without lies seeping from her pores, who took for granted that blue states would remain blue and vote for her because she's Hillary, she's a Clinton, who didn't campaign in the state she needed to, who lost the presidency, and now they can't accept that fact. You ran the wrong candidate. She ran the wrong campaign. She lost. Donald Trump won. To the victor go the spoils. And the spoils in this case are two. And Lord only knows if President Trump gets another four after the current four. Lord only knows how many more Supreme Court uh, vacancies there may be. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 85 or 86. Will she serve all the way to her deathbed? Maybe. Will she decide she wants to retire at some point? She just can't do it anymore? Maybe. Lord only knows what's going to happen the next time around, which is exactly why the Republicans must fight this time around. You cannot let the precedent be set that we can stop nominees to the Supreme Court because we hate the president by creating and fabricating decades-old allegations that are totally, totally unprovable, but they're enough to make somebody withdraw the nomination. That can't be allowed to happen. This cannot become the new normal. John is in Chardon on AM 1420, The Answer. John, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Bob. At this point, do you have a sense of whether or not we have the votes necessary to confirm Judge Kavanaugh? Well, uh, yes, we would have if we were voting tomorrow. Uh, we would have. But when this whole thing came down, a couple of the votes that were going to confirm him, such as Jeff Flake and Bob Corker, were thrown into the air because they declared they won't vote for him until she is heard from. They wanted to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's and say we gave her the, the appropriate forum to make her accusations. We listened to Judge Kavanaugh's explanations slash denials, and now we at least covered all of our bases. And so they said without the votes... Um, or excuse me, without the uh, the the um, testimony, that they would not give their votes for this. And so that's why the yeah. Republicans are holding this up right now. They have to wait and see if she will indeed testify. And uh, again, what I said a few moments ago, uh, prior to this mm-hmm. at the start of this segment, uh, it looks like they're starting to grow a spine because Republican senators are saying, uh, if she refuses to testify, let's do our vote. And and it seems yeah. I, I take that to mean that we will vote for him, or as we would have before, because she is not even willing to come out and make these accusations before us. Yeah, it appears that uh, Susan Collins is in the camp with Flake and Corker. You know, dotting the eyes and crossing the T's. She didn't From say specifically. She she didn't say specifically she would not vote for him without these this testimony. But she did also say she would like to hear from her. So she you know she she didn't make it as clear to my knowledge uh, as Flake did, for example, and as Corker did, saying without this with this testimony, without this extra hearing, if you will, she won't vote for it. But it was up in the air. It was a question. She and she and Murkowski are swing votes anyway, all because they're not you know they're 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 big defenders of Roe versus Wade. Yeah. 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 Okay, Bob. 
Anything else? Yeah, appreciate your yeah. Right. That'll that'll do it for now. Thanks. Thank you, John. God bless. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah. And by the way, uh, new new uh, breaking news on this particular story as well. The president has spoken on this this morning. This literally is very very new. Uh, speaking to reporters outside the White House this morning, President Trump said <clears throat> that if Christine Blasey Ford appears before the committee and quote makes a credible showing end quote. That will be very interesting, and we'll have to make a decision. Wow. That statement from the president, and I'm just now seeing it as breaking news coming across my uh, screen, uh, that would indicate to me that the president is open to the idea of withdrawing the nomination of of Brett Kavanaugh and, and nominating someone new. What other decision is he talking about? He said, we'll have to make a decision if she gives credible testimony. He went on to say, quote, if she shows up, that would be wonderful. If she doesn't show up, that would be unfortunate, end quote. So what does that mean? Well, add that to the story that I said a moment ago. Bob Corker uh, is one of the anti-Trumpers, the never-Trumpers, who said she wants, he wants to hear from her before he'll vote. But now he says, Corker does, quote, if we don't hear from both sides on Monday, let's vote. So it sounds like he is going to be then willing to go ahead and vote for Judge Kavanaugh uh, if she refuses to come out and make her public accusations before the Judiciary Committee where she can be questioned and she can be asked to tell her story in more detail that he would be willing to vote. In fact, here's the tweet from Corker from late last night. After learning of the allegation, Chairman Chuck Grassley took immediate action to ensure both Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh have the opportunity to be heard, in public or private. Republicans extended a hand in good faith. If we don't hear from both sides on Monday, let's vote. That's good to hear. That is. That's a positive development from Corker. Hopefully we'll get similar statements from Flake and Murkowski and Collins and anybody else on the GOP side that is concerned about this. If she's willing to make these slanderous allegations to the Washington Post, but not to the Judiciary Committee, if she's willing to make these slanderous accusations to Dianne Feinstein in a letter, but not to the Judiciary Committee, not to open herself up to questions, talking about the very, very... Uh, odd and strange discrepancies in her story from when she told it to a therapist in 2012 to what she's saying today. Her fuzzy memory about locations, dates, names, times, and everything else. If she's not willing to be questioned about those things by the judiciary, then her, her, her case is lost. Her allegations should be treated as nothing more than the political stunt that we know it is. And they should vote, confirm Judge Kavanaugh, and get on with our business of the midterms. All right, uh, more of your thoughts if you've got them right now. 216-901-0945. Dial, we'll put you on the radio after traffic right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty-two. now, final segment of the Bob France Authority for this Wednesday morning. I was talking to a previous caller who called about issue one. Well, technically, I was talking to Steve Loomis about issue one and about um, liberal Democrat politicians who support issue one, which would be essentially an, an extraordinarily dangerous and deadly uh, amendment to the Ohio Constitution if it were to pass. It cannot pass. 
You cannot support people like Richard Cordray who who support this. You cannot support people like Mike Del- or uh, Steve Delabach rather who supports this. And you cannot support people like Sherrod Brown uh, who support issue one. But when I brought up the name of Sherrod Brown, it prompted a call from somebody who said, hey, Bob, how come we're not talking about Sherrod Brown? What do you want to talk about with Sherrod Brown? And the answer to that question is Sherrod Brown has facing accusations from his ex-wife and has been for a while facing accusations from his ex-wife um, about uh, abuse, about physical abuse and, uh, and, and other types of abuse. And he mentioned that uh, they talked about it on Fox News last night. He's right. They did. Tucker Carlson spent a couple of minutes on this. So I think it's worth listening to. Another campaign trail in an ad that targets the current holder of the Ohio Senate seat, Sherrod Brown. There were allegations of abuse made by his ex-wife, Trace Gallagher, has been following the story and has the latest for us. Trace? Tucker, by all accounts, Sherrod Brown's 1986 divorce was ugly, including allegations by his then-wife, Lark Recchi, that he was physically abusive. And this isn't the first time these accusations have been dredged up by Brown's political opponents. But it is the first time they've been raised in the age of Me Too. In fact, the website running this 60-second ad is called Me Too Ohio. Watch. Issue a restraining order. Later, she said Brown violated the court order, pushing, shoving, and bullying her. Me Too Ohio is a super PAC, but it's also connected to GOP political firm that has done extensive work for the Senate campaign of Congressman Jim Renacci, Sherrod Brown's Republican opponent for Senate. Renacci denies having anything to do with the video, but appeared to amplify it, quoting here, violence against women in any form is not acceptable and has no place in our society. Sherrod Brown's well-documented history of domestic violence is deeply troubling. In turn, Senator Brown's office released a statement from Brown's ex-wife saying, quote, disparaging my family for political gain is disgusting and Congressman Renacci should know better. Lark Recchi added that she's addressed this matter before, saying her previous accusations were because of hurt and sorrow on both sides. Tucker. Amazing. Trace Gallagher, thank you. All right. So that that was the report from uh, from Tucker last night by way of Trace Gallagher on Fox News. And uh, the whole Sherrod Brown story is one that, again, it's true. This story has been told before by political opponents. It is also true that it has not been told in the age of Me Too. Does Sherrod Brown's ex-wife deserve to be believed for, uh, you know, what she claimed with respect to the restraining order and the violations of the restraining order? Or are her claims essentially wiped out because, A, he's a liberal politician, and, B, because she did withdraw those complaints, saying that she said those things because it was a very nasty, ugly, contentious divorce, and she was angry. So I don't know how that's going to play. Uh, we're going to talk to Congressman Renacci about it when he joins me for his regular visit on Friday. Uh, I want to go back, if I can, for just the last couple of minutes of the program today. And and revisit the issue one issue or the issue one story rather or conversation rather because it is that it is that serious uh, and I want to say again without equivocation and I want to say again without stuttering if you vote for Ohio issue one you're voting to kill people if you vote for Richard Cordray Sherrod Brown or uh, Steve Dettelbach all of whom have indicated support for issue one you are voting to kill people people will die a lot of people if issue one passes and possession of massive amounts of deadly drugs are simply written off as misdemeanors, which is what will happen. Misdemeanors. Drugs that can kill thousands of people 
are misdemeanors punishable only by probation. The Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, Maureen O'Connor, uh, really, really spoke to this very directly uh, in an op-ed that she wrote for, well, it may have run in other papers. I read it in the Star Beacon. But Judge Justice O'Connor, Chief Justice O'Connor said the adoption of Issue 1 would have devastating consequences, severely hampering the use of our very effective drug court programs across this state. Drug courts would be impeded by taking jail off the table. We know through multiple studies that drug courts are effective only when they combine the carrot of treatment and support with the stick of judicial accountability, including incarceration when needed. It is this carrot and stick approach that enables judges and drug court teams to use a variety of tools to help people overcome addiction. But issue one, while providing a lot of carrots by expanding treatment, takes away the stick. We're not talking about possession of marijuana here. We're talking about Ohio becoming, in effect, unable by its constitution to offer drug court participation and to incentivize that involvement by the carrot of not having a felony conviction record. Who would want to participate in a drug court program knowing that the only, they only face probation for possession of fentanyl, cocaine, methamphetamines, K2, heroin, and so forth? I predict, writes Chief Justice O'Connor, that we will see a severe drop-off in drug court participation at that very moment when it is needed most, should voters approve Issue 1. She also goes on to say what we will see is a major increase in statewide crime and statewide deaths because Ohio is going to become the center point of the Midwest for drug trafficking. People know that if you go through Indiana and are popped with 19 grams of deadly fentanyl, you're going to prison. You go to Ohio, you're only going to get probation. Where are they going to do their business? Where are more addicts going to be created? Where are more, is more crime going to happen in the state of Ohio? You vote for those Democrats. You vote for issue one. You vote to kill people. Make sure you understand that and make sure everyone else that you know who has a vote understands that as well. All right, that's all the time that I've got. Thanks so much for being a part of the program today. Thanks to Steve Loomis for his great conversation on that very subject. Let's hope. And by the way, I did see a note. Jeff Flake has said the same thing Corker does. They're all in. Let's vote if she doesn't talk. See you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.